want to begin with a story to kind of kick off our lesson today. I heard about a little boy who was out playing in the backyard, doing what typical little boys tend to do, climbing trees, swinging on the swing set, wrestling on the ground with the dog. Finally, his mom sticks her head out the door and says, Honey, it's time for you to come on in to eat supper. And he's hungry. And, and so the little boy goes running inside and he sits down at the table and he's getting ready to take that first bite when all of a sudden his mom asked, Did you thank Jesus for that food? And so the little boy, he folded his hands. He was getting ready to say a prayer when his mother said, look at your hands, they are absolutely filthy. Do you realize how many germs are on your hands? And, and son, I've told you, whenever you come to the table, you need to make sure that your hands are already washed because your hands, I mean, think about it. You've been wrestling with the dog. You've been playing outside. Your hands are absolutely filthy. They're covered with germs. And so the little boy, he stands up from the table, he kind of rolls his eyes and he starts to walk away when finally he turns around to his mom and he says, Jesus and germs, Jesus and germs. All I ever hear about is Jesus and germs. And he says, I've never seen either. <laughs> How many of you at times will admit that you struggle with faith? This is the definition that the Bible gives us of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we, what church? What we cannot see. Now, if this is true, if this is faith being certain, sure, of what we do not see, then by its very definition, faith must be a struggle. Right? Because shouldn't our confidence in what we can see be greater than our conviction of what we can't see? Last week we began a series entitled, The Greatest of All Time. And as I said last week, we're not talking about Tom Brady. I, I know we love to refer to him as the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all time. We're not talking about Nick Saban, the greatest coach of all time, but rather we're talking about God. And, and you think about the challenges that we face on a daily basis. And, and we're going to be talking about some of these challenges as, as we go through this series. Last week we talked about difficult circumstances. Some of you, you may be dealing with hurt right now or, or brokenness or loneliness or maybe, especially with this potential hurricane that's coming into the Gulf. Some of you may be uh, struggling with fear or, or maybe it's your past, the mistakes that you've made in the past. 
But no matter what your challenge is, what we're going to see over and over and over again in this series through the Word of God is when we're dealing with those things, we need to put our faith in God because He is greater. In fact, God is even greater than our struggle to believe. Let me ask you a question this morning. How is your faith? How would you describe your faith? I think one of the things that we need to understand about faith is that faith fluctuates. In fact, everybody, every individual who has ever grown mighty in faith grew through moments of doubt. Now, some of you may be saying, well, what about Abraham? I mean, Romans chapter 4 verse 20 says that he did not waver through unbelief. Well, what does that word waver mean? Because I think most of you probably know the story of Abraham, right? I mean, you probably remember how Abraham went to Egypt and it was there that he lied about Sarah being his wife to Pharaoh. And then a couple of years later, he did the same thing with King Abimelech. And then, of course, let's not forget about the whole Hagar affair, right? I mean, God says, I'm going to bless you with a son, and I'm, I'm going to bless you with that son through Sarah. But when God doesn't deliver as quickly as Abraham wants him to deliver, God, or Abraham rather, finds another woman, a woman by the name of Hagar, and he tries to bring about God's promise through her. And so as we look at Abraham, we see that there are a lot of speed bumps in Abraham's faith journey. Abraham's faith was kind of like a, a bull market. I, I don't know how many of you, uh, you know, keep up with stocks or the newest thing is cryptocurrency. And, and, and if you're into those things, you'll hear people talk about a bull market. And a bull market is when the market is actually making money. Okay, so, so the market is up, but it's not always up, right? It's up and then the next day it may be down and then the next day it may be up again and it may be down a little bit later. But, but if you look at it over, over the course or, or over the period of a, of a certain time, you began to see even though it's up and down, it's, it's still an opportunity to make money. It's, it's still up. I think that oftentimes describes our faith, right? Our, our faith at times can be up and then at times it can be down because here's the truth of the matter. Faith is more of a journey than it is a destination, right? I mean, I, I doubt anyone here can say, man, I have arrived. I have achieved great faith. Am I right? We all have those times where, where our faith is, is up and down. And so Paul says, he writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, flee from evil desires of youth and why church? 
and pursue righteousness and what? Faith, love, and peace. Now, you and I, we know that we're supposed to pursue righteousness and we're supposed to pursue love and we're supposed to pursue peace. But notice he also says that we are to pursue faith. In other words, we're always trying to grow in our faith because faith fluctuates. Now, some of you may be thinking, well... I don't know, Slate. I mean, faith comes pretty easy to me. And, and that's, that's great if, if that describes you, you know, that, that faith just kind of comes easy or, or natural to you. But you need to understand that that's not true for everyone. In fact, um, I'll be very honest with you this morning. There have been speed bumps for me in, in my faith journey at times. You know, there, there are times when everything uh, doesn't work out the way I want it to. It, it doesn't w- work out the way I, I feel like it should. And, and so there are times when I struggle in, in my faith. Now, don't misunderstand. There's never been a time where I've shaken my fist at heaven and said, I don't believe in God. But there have been times when I've had doubts. There have been times when my faith has been up and down and all over the place, and I bet the same is true of you. And so we need a Savior whose faithfulness, as we just sung, is greater than our faith. And the good news is we have one, right? If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Typically I put... The scripture reading up on the board behind me, but this is really too lengthy of a reading. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 24. If you don't have a Bible, we have one in the pew for you so that you can follow along with us this morning. Jesus and some of his disciples have been up on a mountain. He's been up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John. And as they come down from the mountain, this is what happens. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet Him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. 
The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now let's stop right there. And let me ask this question. How many of us could honestly say there have been times when we needed to pray that same prayer? God, help me to overcome my unbelief because I'm struggling. See, doubt is real. Doubt is legitimate. In fact, let me show you right out of our text that we just read why having faith can be a struggle at times. First of all, the presence of senseless evil. Now, I have, a, I have a doctor or I have a friend who is a doctor and I'll never forget several years ago as he was going through um, schooling and even clinicals and so forth, he told me, he says, I don't see how any doctor seeing the miracle of childbirth could question that there is a God. But by the same token, the death and the suffering of children calls the existence of God into question for some. I don't know if you realize this or not, but today as we've been worshiping, children have died in this world, some from starvation some from treatable diseases. As you and I this morning have worshipped God together, there have been children who have been sold as sex slaves. And this is our world. A world where evil is senseless and it often includes children just like we see in our text. And, and so oftentimes when people don't believe, it's because they don't believe that the world is getting run right if God is real. They believe that if they were God, that they would definitely do things a lot different. Because there's so much evil in the world. But listen to me this morning. We are never going to be able to cope with evil by trying to understand it. Evil doesn't make sense. And let me also say this. Most of the suffering in our world is caused by Satan and by our own sin. You say, I have something to do with this? Yeah, we, we all do. We help create the evil in the world, not God. Because God doesn't create evil. If you look at James chapter 1, James tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And so God didn't create evil. But He did create us. And He created us with the freedom to choose evil. And we often do. And, and there are oftentimes consequences for that. But the good news of the gospel is that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And evil is going to be destroyed. Revelation chapter 21. But right now we're living in this world that is full. It's, it's rampant with evil. And oftentimes we have questions and so faith can be hard. 
But it's not just the, the presence of senseless evil. It's also the absence of, of believing believers. Look back to our text, Mark chapter 9. Notice, notice what the dad said in verse 17. He says, I brought my son so that who, church? So that you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? So that you could heal him. Now look at the very next verse, verse 18. He says, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. In other words, as far as this dad is concerned, if you take your son to Jesus' disciples, you have taken him to Jesus. And that's why the first words out of Jesus' mouth is, you faithless, unbelieving generation. And you know who he's talking to? He's talking to his disciples. In other words, unbelieving believers make it hard for unbelievers to believe in Jesus. People often ask, if Christianity is true, then why are Christians at times such a bad advertisement for it? There's a large number, and I forget what the percentage is, there's a large number of heart doctors who do not believe in God. And, and what they've come to realize is because there are so many Christians who are having heart issues, and their faith is wavering during those times that a lot of these doctors are like, well, if you don't believe it, then why should I believe it? Maybe some of the hypocrisies you've seen in Christians has made faith hard for you. And if that's the case, I would just ask you to remember that Christians at their worst are not reflecting Jesus' teaching. They are rejecting Jesus' teaching. And let me also add this, hypocrisy is not just a problem for Christians. Think about this, have societies who have sought to completely eliminate faith produced a better world? You know, John Lennon used to sing... Imagine a world with no religion. Well, guess what? We don't have to imagine. We've seen that world, right? Stalin outlawed religion. He also killed 20, 20 million of his own people. Hitler killed 10 million. Uh, Pol Pot set up an atheistic regime and wiped out 20% of the population of Cambodia. It's a total myth to think, man, if we would just eliminate faith, if, if we would just eliminate religion, that the world would be a better place. You know, the, the world will start loving their neighbor and, and, and people will start, you know, adopting orphans and, and people will start building hospitals and, and people will start helping and, and loving their enemies. No. We don't have to imagine what a world without faith looks like. It's It's bad. 
Let me also say this. Sometimes when people say, I've lost my faith, it's because they put their faith in the wrong thing or the wrong people. In 26 years of ministry, I've seen people who have put their faith in churches. Can I tell you something about churches? It doesn't matter what church it is. They're, they're full of flawed people. And oftentimes, people put their faith in ministers. And as you guys have probably already seen in my life, ministers are flawed people, Right? And so faith is not trust in a church or a minister. Faith is trust in Jesus. That's where we need to put our faith because Jesus is greater than our circumstances as we saw last week. And Jesus is even greater than our doubts. Think about the story that that we looked at this morning. Think about the ending where the father is doubting. But guess what? Jesus heals his son anyway. Because Jesus is greater than our doubts. But this father, he didn't want to doubt. He wanted to believe. And so he called out, he said, please help me with my unbelief. And, and maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe you're like, man, I, Slade, I don't, I don't want to doubt. I, I want to have uh, a strong faith. Help me, help me not to doubt. Help me to believe. Well, let me give you a few suggestions this morning. First of all, when we have doubts, we just, we need to admit it. That's what we see in the Father in our, our text. Right? Verse 24, he, he admits, I, I am struggling with doubt. And that's all of us at times, right? I mean, we even look at Hebrews chapter 11, the faith hall of fame. Right? I mean, these are people that we look at and we, we're like, man, they are up here, right? These are, these are people of great faith. But you know what? Every one of those people, they struggled with doubt at times. We've already looked at Abraham. We could also talk about David who's in that list. And, and he's one of those that we really put up here. But if you read the book of Psalm, let me tell you something. <laughs> David had some real doubt issues. Skip on down, there's a guy by the name of Gideon, and I don't know if you know Gideon's story, but when you, when you go back and read his story sometime, you'll be like, how did he even make the cut? How did he even make the list? But, but here's one, we'll, we'll go outside the list. We'll, we'll just go to some guys who were close to Jesus, who, who did life with Jesus for three years. They witnessed His miracles. They, they sat at His feet. They saw Him do amazing things. His, his disciples, right? They even got to witness the resurrection. I mean, Jesus is brutally crucified. And then three days later... He appears to them, and, and they get to, to witness this. And then right as Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven, Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 17, and this is mind-blowing, right? I mean, they've, they've witnessed the resurrection, and Jesus meets them up on this mountain, and it says, when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some of them, what? 
What? You've got to be kidding me. They lived with him for three years. They saw amazing things. And yet here, even after the resurrection, some of them still doubted. The Bible's very honest about the existence of doubt, and we should, we should too. We need to admit those things like Job. Job, man, he really wrestled with God. He even said some things that kind of upset God. But you know what? By the time you get to the end of the story, God was not nearly as offended with Job as he was the pious certainty of Job's friends who thought they had God all figured out. Which let me say this. As a church, we need to be a community that welcomes everybody on their faith journey no matter where they are. Your faith may, may be strong. Your, your faith may be great, but there are some who, who struggle and their faith wavers. That's why Jude 1.22 says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering Kind of like a guy by, by the name of Thomas. Remember, remember Thomas, the, the other disciples, they witnessed the resurrected Christ and the disciples are, are telling Thomas about it. And Thomas doesn't believe, right? And, and so we've decided to label him as what? Doubting Thomas, right? <laughs> Even though he wasn't the only one who doubted. He's the guy who gets stuck with it. But you know why? Just a, about a week later, Jesus appears to his disciples again. Thomas was in that group. Thomas was, was with the other disciples. In, in other words, the other disciples didn't say to Thomas, well, listen, man, if you've got doubts, if, if you don't believe, listen, you, you just need to go on down the road. Oh, people have struggles if they have doubts. This is exactly where they need to be. With people who can encourage them in, in their faith and help them grow in their faith. Like, the, like that father in the story, we need to bring our doubts to God. But also, let me say this, we also need to move toward Jesus. We need to admit our doubts and then we need to commit to a faith step. Now, listen, we, we don't have to have all our doubts removed. We, we just need to take a step towards Jesus. Right? Jesus never told anyone, you just need to believe in this doctrine. No, what Jesus said was, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. You know, I really don't believe that the absence of faith is evidence. I think oftentimes it's the presence of fear. Oftentimes we can be afraid to take that step towards Jesus because we're afraid that if we do, He might not show up. 
Or maybe we're afraid that he will show up. In fact, oftentimes doubt is just the cover-up for rebellion. In other words, if we put our faith in Jesus, we're going to have to totally recalibrate our life and and our priorities, and and we may not want to. And so it's just kind of easier to hide behind the cover of doubt than it is our own rebellion against God. Listen, I believe with all my heart God is more willing to reveal Himself than some are willing to admit. I believe, just like Jesus did with Thomas, Jesus is willing to walk through walls to meet us where we are. Because here's the deal, faith is a fight and God will fight for our faith. Not against us, but but with us. Right? We've, we've just got to be willing to move in the direction of Jesus and, and just see if He's true. And, and some of you, you need to take that, that faith step. You need to investigate. You, you need to get in there and, and you need to see for yourself. Think about John chapter 4. There's a story of a father who travels a, a long distance to find Jesus because his son is sick. And his plan, his mission was to take Jesus back to his house to heal his son. But he gets there and, and this is what Jesus says. Look at verse 50. He says, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his white church at His Word, and He departed. Now remember what the plan was. He traveled this long distance, and I'm going to get Jesus. I'm going to bring Him back to the house so that He can heal my son. But Jesus says, no, just, just go. It's already been done. And the Father, He takes a step in faith. He says, I'm I'm just going to act on what I've heard and I'm just going to start heading home. And if you look at verses 51 through 53, this is what it says. I'll read it to you. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live, so he and his household believed. Did you catch that? He didn't come to faith until he was further down the road. But he did move in the right direction. He took Jesus at his word. And on the way, man, Jesus showed up in a big way. Because God fights for our faith. Just one person wanting to overcome unbelief matters to God. I'll never forget several years ago, When Julie and I lived in Alabama, there was a young lady who came to me. She attended 
worship with us, and she asked if I would marry her and her fiancé. Now, she told me up front, she said, look, my fiancé is not a believer, and if you're not comfortable marrying us, she said, we'll just get married at the courthouse. And I said, no, I said, I'll, I'll marry you. I said, but, I said, I'm asking you to go through premarital counseling with me, you and your fiancé. I said, so go back home, make sure that, that that's okay with him. If, if you guys will go through my premarital counseling, and I said, you know, let him know up front. I'm going to be talking about God, but I said, just let him know up front that I will do your wedding if, if you'll do this. And so she came back a couple of days later, and she said, he agrees, he'll, he'll do it. And so we sat down together, and I think we had four or five sessions, and we talked about God, and he was very open and honest, he said, I, I don't believe in God. He talked about several of the things that we have discussed this morning. And, and I just looked at him and I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I said, but let me, let me challenge you to do something. I said, you love your fiance. And I said, this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to just come and, and check out what she believes. I mean, you love her, you care about her, you, you care about the things that she's involved in, right? I mean, you want to know what's going on in her life. And I said, so, so just come and, and check it out for yourself. And he says, okay. He said, I, I'll probably do that. And sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he did. He, he showed up after they got married. And, and what is amazing, and this is just how cool God is and how he works, he we, we stood up and we announced that Sunday that we were going to have a church softball team. Anyone who wanted to be a part of it could join. And he was there. He overheard it. And so after the services were over, he came up to me and he says, Hey, I heard you guys are having a, a church softball league. And he said, You have to be a believer. Do you have to be a Christian to play on that team? And I said, No, you don't. And he said, well, can I be on the team? I said, well, there is one stipulation. It's not our stipulation. It's the church league that we're playing in. In order to be on that team, you have to attend worship at that church because they don't want you just picking up a, a stacked team of guys, you know, all over the place. And he said, okay, all I got to do is attend. I said, that's right. All you got to do is attend. You're welcome to be on the, the team with us. And he said, I can do that. And so over the next couple of weeks, just being at practice with the guys, games, worship, man, he began to build some relationships and he began to see God in them and, and he began to see God working in his own life. And to make a long story short, he came up to me one Sunday and he says, I believe. I believe, and I had an opportunity to baptize him into Christ. See, God is greater than our doubts. God can do a lot, even with a little. He tells us this, right? Jesus says, if you have a little faith, like a mustard seed, God can do something with that. He can move mountains with that. Because you see, God's faithfulness isn't limited to our wavering, struggling faith. 
Maybe you're here this morning and like the Father, you need prayers. Maybe your faith is low right now. You've, you've been through some hardships in your life and you're just wondering where's God in all this? Does God even care about me? And, and He does. As we said last week, you may feel like, man, your prayers aren't going any higher than the ceiling. And, and here's the thing. You know what? It doesn't matter because God's right here with you anyway. And He's just waiting for that step. Right? That first step, that move in the right direction toward Him. He'll be with you and He'll strengthen you and He'll comfort you and He'll give you peace. But if you need prayers this morning for faith or if it's more of a personal matter, you can leave it up here on the cross this morning. Or, or it may be today that in your faith you've decided, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a while and, and I don't know what it's been that may be holding you back, but you've decided today is the day. I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I'm ready to begin my walk with Him. Maybe it's the fact that you don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what I believe, but I, I know that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me tell you something. That's what God asks. You know, that's where it starts, with a belief in Jesus. And if you believe that He's the Son of God, you can begin your walk today putting on Christ in baptism. Galatians chapter 3, having all your sins completely washed away. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Whatever the case may be, if you need to respond, won't you come? Together we stand and sing.